welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Friday morning here in Abu Dhabi. Thursday afternoon in San Jose, California, which is where Tim Bontemps is. Long way from here, brother. That's that is true. Many, many, many hours. Do we know what time it is in Abu Dhabi? At the moment, I have no idea. It's 1230 in the morning. We had, had another, no we, had another we had another off mic time screw up from Brian today. And so we're, we know that the world is going on as it should be because we've had yeah. scheduling. <clears throat> also on the West Coast, joining us from Los Angeles, California, where he's uh, on NBA today this week is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. How you boys doing? Big shout out to our producer, Jackson Agello, who's uh, from vacation in Florida this week. So you guys are all, we're all spread out across the map. Uh, at this time of year. Um, hey, this was schedule release week. Uh, Bontemps, you wrote a story about the schedule release specifically as it came to the TV schedule on Thursday. I wondered if you could kind of hit the highlights of uh, what you saw and uh, how it's definitely how the league is um, featuring the teams coming into the season. So, yeah, obviously everybody waits to see, get the rush just to run through and see where all the games are. I think some of the interesting things that stood out to me, um, the fact that we're going to have opening night with two Western Conference games uh, with Denver and the Lakers, followed by the Suns and Warriors and the, the Chris Paul revenge game. I think that's an indication when you start to look through the numbers in the schedule of just how much this schedule is slanted towards Western Conference teams. I went through and did the math on it. Warriors have the most national TV games with 29 that that's ABC, ESPN, TNT games for this. We're not counting the NBA TV games. Wow. Um, disrespectful. Disrespectful. Uh, can also see when some of the smaller market teams say, Oh, we have 12 not cotton national TV games or 10 national TV games. And really they have one or two. Uh, it shows where the differences are since most of those games are simulcast, but there's six teams with more than 20 or more. Warriors, Lakers, Suns, and Denver in the West, Celtics and Knicks in the East. There's nine with over 10. Uh, Grizzlies, Clippers, Kings, and Spurs, all with more than 10. Victor Wenbanyama gets 11 national TV games. Uh, wow. there's, only, there's only five in the East, Sixers, Heat, and, uh, and Bucks. So as you can see, yeah, plus the two at the top, that's five. Um, so it's, it's definitely a schedule that's slanted pretty heavily towards the West. Um, and you know, as you look through, obviously, you know, Christmas day, bunch of interesting marquee games, got the Nixon bucks starting off the day, followed by the two nat two ABC games with Denver and golden state, and then Boston, and the Lakers, uh, then we've got the the disgruntled point guard bowl, maybe with Philly and Miami. <laughs> um, we'll see if one or both of Damian Lord and James Harden are in that game or not. And then I assume Ben McMahon will be in Phoenix for Dallas at Phoenix uh, with yeah. Kyrie and KD going head to head. And also it's a nice bit of scheduling because Luca and book don't have to ship their Christmas gifts to each other. They that's can right. Present them in person. You know, those guys like to get up close and personal so they can just have their gift swap right there. And perhaps so can Katie and Kyrie. I'm not quite sure where they are as far as the, uh, Christmas exchange possibilities go at this point. I, I, I really, don't, I don't have a good feel for that. You know, when I was saw them, when I was in Dallas for that game, when they played, like they kind of ignore each other, but I don't uh, know. If that was they, to... they did not acknowledge each other. No one iota. Yeah. But I don't know if that was an act. I did. I just couldn't read it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know where their relationship is. I do know that uh, Booker and, and Luca certainly, do not like each other. And as, as book yeah. said, Hey, you want some, you know, you want some, yeah. like, here it is. Like we got some. Yeah. I liked, I liked that. I liked everything about that. <laughs> that will be, that will definitely be a fun. That will definitely be a fun game at the other end of the, the schedule. There's only eight teams. There's eight teams that only have one national TV game, Indiana, Orlando, Toronto, Washington, Detroit, Charlotte, Portland, and Houston. And you know, which again, as an indication of where the league thinks those teams are, 
not too surprising. Mm-hmm. Thought it was interesting. The Pelicans only had six and that the Thunder had eight. I think that's a sign of where those teams are sort of going from that standpoint, at least until we see Zion Williamson actually on the court. But thought the Thunder getting eight, eight games on those networks was a sign that there's some investment in them. Certainly Victor getting 11. And the other thing, this came out on Tuesday. I thought it was really interesting that there was only one team with three games on EB on ESPN or TNT during the group play of the in-season tournament. Now is Victor Wembanyama and the Spurs. I thought that was interesting that the league really clearly was trying to, hey, we got this new tournament. We got this new star. Going to put them together, try to get people to pay attention to this thing early on. Um, and even in that, too, that was very heavily slanted towards Western Conference teams getting the bulk of those national TV games during the in-season tournament. So, you know, I think when you look at the the way the two conferences lay out, there's a few teams that are really good at the top of the East. And there's a lot of depth in the West. And I think we saw that generally play out that way with how the league laid out the schedule for the season. So I will say that I don't want to overplay the Chris Paul, will he start story or not? Because, you know, Chris Paul started every game in his career. You know, let's just see how training camp goes and whatever. Oh. What? Listen, get your butt on the bench and come in as a six man and stop making a big deal about it. Like, don't make this okay. Well, Steve Kerr and coming, this, this coming off the bench got a freaking championship together. Like, stop making it, dude. Sacrifice your ego a little bit, which you've told hundreds of teammates over the years, and say, you know what? I'm transitioning. This Lions won a championship together. I want to fit in as well as I can. I'm going to do the best I can and adapt to being one hell of a six man. Stop, so Brian, stop babying a 38 year old. So Brian, we know McMahon. <laughs> we know McMahon is a big time youth basketball coach down in Dallas. I can only imagine what the conversations about starting lineups are with him. Listen, I so I, we actually had one. As you know, I've got I've got twins, and I told them. Because, you know, we change lineups up. And I always say, hey, one of you guys has to come off the bench when we've got, like, everybody here. And it's, why why, why do we have to? I'm like, dude, I can't show favoritism and have both you guys in the freaking starting lineup every game. Look at well, that. Speaking of youth basketball, I was. If I can, if I can I, have that conversation with 10-year-olds, Chris, Steve Kirk can have it with a 38-year-old. <laughs> well, look, he, so his first time coming <laughs> off the bench is going to be at Phoenix. Or no, they're home. They're home that night. I'm sorry. No, but yeah, Bontemps said it was. I he did. I think you call it the revenge game. I maybe my audio wasn't. Was it revenge or reserve game? Which one? (laughs) I said revenge, but but look, you know, I mean, if you do, I mean, listen, if you are going to send a message about how things are going to go, to be a very clear way to do it, have him come off the bench in the opening night of the season against his former team on Mm -hmm. national TV. I mean, look, I. I could see some scenario where maybe they go back and forth with bigger and small lineups like they did a little bit last year. I think that would be silly. I think Chris Paul should just be coming off the bench. They had the best five-man unit in the league last year. He should be coming off the bench. He should be coming off the bench in that game, and that would be a good way to indicate where you're going with things. He's CP6 now for six-man. (laughs) You are really hammering away on this. Anyway, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I... As far as Wembenyama being on national TV so much and so much early, mm-hmm. you guys know I've spent quite a bit of time with Victor. I've written a lot about him. I know a lot. No idea. No idea. I just am going to be ninety seconds. That's all I saw. It's going to be cautionary here. He, you know, he's going to take some time to get adjusted. He's going to have his moments where he looks very, very like a rookie. So, well, we should say, cause I didn't say it. His first game will be at home against the Dallas Mavericks. Another I game assume, we may yeah. see Tim McMahon at, I would assume yeah, with I, a guy, Andrew Lopez. Certainly assume that'll be in the building for that one. And, and listen, we can both have a ton of hype around Victor and also like not overreact on a game by game basis. And, and realize well, we can, because that's not the way America works. Last we time can, I we can. Oh, okay. That's what's most important. 
Well, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I control what I can control. Um, <laughs> well, but it's like, interesting. Um, it, it is interesting that six of the 11 games they have on national TV are in the first month of the season. And two of them are in the first week. I do think that's an interesting or first two weeks. Well, I do think to, that's an interesting to, thing. Yeah. You have to load up early because there's going to be a ton of interest in him, like r- right off the bat. And then like the Spurs probably aren't going to be very good. Like they'll, you know, they're, they're definitely will be good sooner than later, but sooner is not this season. So, no. you know, you don't want to have a bunch of national TV games on them after the all-star break load up early. There's going to be a fascination with this guy. And then, you know, focus on teams that are going to be competing for playoff spots. So a couple of things about the schedule. Um, Because of the in-season tournament, uh, there is a slight increase in back-to-backs for the teams this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year was was, was a little over 13, 13 13.3. This year is 14 even. They've they've really tried to reduce travel back to backs where teams have to travel on back to backs in there, an average of nine per team, which is um, I believe the lowest uh, all time. So they're it trying to is. do what they, they trumpeted. League trumpeted that. Yeah, they're trying to, but you know the in season tournament has a mildly negative back to back effect. You know, uh, it is what it is. Um, now the one thing that they do point out is that they're they're trying to prioritize player rest for high profile national TV games and the in-season tournament. So um, no team will play on either the day before or the day after all national television opening week games, although opening week, it's right. Opening night. It's hard to have a back to back. I was going to say, uh, yeah, all five day, all five games on Christmas day, typically the NBA doesn't play any games on Christmas Eve. So that's I'm just that's a very easy non-back-to-back day. Right. <laughs> uh, all 16 games on ABC during Saturday nights and Sunday afternoons. So mm. that's again something they've done in the past. They're they're trying to de- de- disincentivize guys to rest, to have rest days on the prime national TV games. There's still going to be, you know, Wednesdays and Thursdays are heavy back-to-back days. Those are national TV yeah. days, you know, Thursday, Fridays, you know, we're going to see that. Um, and then the the games are Martin Luther King Day, which I don't even know which those games are right now. Um, there will be uh, on TNT, there will be, those games will not be, um, there will not be uh, no back-to-backs for those do, games. So whatever do that does a, for you. Do you have a list in front of you of, of who has the most back-to-backs? I do not. Uh, no team has more than 15 back-to-backs. I believe so. Oh. You know, I did NBA today and, and sitting down with uh, the producers. They had all you know, this thing all broken out. I probably should have asked them to forward it to me. But like in terms of all the like back-to-backs and three and four and five and seven, the Clippers are at or near the top of the list. Uh which is interesting. This is, I think the second year in a row that this something like this has happened. And well, it's been a long-standing I, issue, and part of why they're going to have a new arena because they pick third when it comes to date availability at what was the at the building formerly right, known as but, Staples Center. Right. But it's been particularly, I think. I hope I'm not going to get in trouble for this. I can see my phone ringing. The Lakers are at the other end of the list. Well, yeah, but that's, I think it's been slightly worse the last two years in terms of the way the Clippers usage of crypto.com has been allocated. I think it's been slightly worse because they're on their way out. And so any 50, 50 ball is going to the other direction. Um, also, hey, Kawhi so. never plays anyway, so yeah. But that is, that has been how it's been for a long time, though, because like I said, that, that's right. that's that's the drive. It's been the. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of reasons why you do this, but that's been the driving reason behind the Clippers and Steve Ballmer building this arena is because well, they're sick. I, that's I been thought it was a the toilet reason. Well, <laughs> I thought it was because he wanted people to be able to, you know. Get from in a, and out of been, obviously you go in there and make a ton more money if you own the building and everything else. But Thank from you. a basketball Thank stand, you. but from a basketball standpoint, they've they've been behind both the Kings and the Lakers this whole time they've been there, which is why That's they always right. are having to play, you know, 
weird, you know, they get always the short end on the, um, the double headers with the Lakers at home and they always have to, you know, they, that that's always how it works out. And it's been, it's they, been, it more always pronounced, seems like it's been more pronounced in recent years because of the schedule changes the league has made to have the New York teams and the LA teams have a lot more back-to-backs at the two arenas because they're cut down on travel. So then if the Lakers are picking first, they end up getting the team on the second night of the back-to-back a lot more often and that kind of stuff. And it seems like when there is a afternoon night or night afternoon or whatever it is, it always seems like the Clippers get the short end. Yes. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not true and I'm sure somebody could produce data, but. No, I would say it is. I would say it is true. Yeah. I, I, somebody who's gone to a lot of uh, games in LA in recent years, it always seems like the Clippers are, the la- if it's more desirable to be in the afternoon, they're at night and vice versa. So the NBA um, has a rivals week. Um where they have, uh, it's in January, um, the third week of January. Uh, it's, um, I think they've got 11 national televised games that week. And um, so the rivals week, I don't, some of these are more interesting than others. Let's be honest. I have a, um, a couple had me scratch my head, but go on. I think well, I can guess Dallas, the two that had you scratching your head. Dallas and Atlanta and Portland and San Antonio. So one of the nights during quote unquote rivals week, the two rival games are Dallas at Atlanta, Portland at San Antonio. Yeah. Luca and Trey and Luca and Trey and Scoot and Victor is the thinking there. Yeah. I think it's pretty stretched thinking. Yeah. I mean, Luca and Trey, like, I don't think there's any real rivalry there. Like they were traded for each other on draft night. Whoop-de-doo. It wasn't, isn't San Antonio and Oklahoma city. One of them. One of the, yes. Well, that's like, Chat and that's yes. Chat and Victor. I, also. I get that. I mean, they're trying to manufacture a rivalry. Um, or Presti are, and Pop. You're really they are connected on Interstate 35, but you know, there is a uh, there is a good triple header um, on uh, January 27th in that week, which is um, Heat Knicks, Philly at Denver. Embiid Jokic action. Hopefully they're playing. Will Embiid will Embiid will Embiid will Embiid finally play in Denver for the first time in like five years? Actually, the last time it happened was November 2019. We discussed this on NBA Today, and you might shock you that Ramona got a little bit defensive. Um, But well, I remember, buddy. I was in Denver when all that happened a few months ago. Listen, I there's there's been injuries. There's been rest. There's been. You know, he's developed an allergic reaction to altitude in the last few years, apparently. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things going on there. We'll see. Anyway. Sixers versus Nuggets, we can say for sure. January 27th, Heat at Knicks, Philly at Denver. Mark that one. And then at night, uh, Lakers at Warriors. The uh, second, or I don't know if it's the second trip in, but um, that should be good. So that's um, that's the... I think that's the week in between. That's when the super that's in the Super Bowl off week. So yeah, I believe looking so. to capture the capture the uh football audience as it calms down there. So once again, um, the Celtics are hosting a Sunday afternoon national TV game the day of the Super Bowl. Got Mark Smart's return game that day, which would be interesting. Possibly if it's the second straight year they play Memphis in that game, ironically. But this Marcus time Smart getting Marcus a uh, tribute video. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably might get, get like a tribute documentary. He, yeah, I was gonna say it might be a they, the Celtics. So you know the Celtics and Lakers typically do a great job with those things with the amount of history they have with that stuff. And uh, the Marcus Smart, there's gonna be a whole presentation for Marcus yeah. Smart. I'm sure that will be a that'll be a fun one to be at. That'll be a fun one to be at. Marcus yeah. had his flaws on has his flaws on the court, but there are a few players that are connected more with the fan base than him with the Celtics. It'll be fun. Yeah. There have been some questionable subjects for tribute videos, especially in, in recent years, but Marcus Smart in Boston's a no-brainer. Yeah. The better question is, will he get his number retired? Hmm. I would be very uh, curious to see I mean, how this, many... The, the bar is very high. I know. I know. Well, that's the I thing. Know. How many of those numbers uh, in the rafters don't have a championship ring or an all-star appearance? I don't I, think I, any. Yeah. I, I I would be shocked if the answer was no to both for any Reggie Lewis is probably the only one. I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I think his number's retired. I'm actually gonna check that. I also no, think I he was at least an all-star. The, I don't want no, to No, he was no, that's right. He he was an all-star. He was an all-star. 
for sure. Yeah. I was just trying to, th- I just, I was thinking about it when I was writing the story uh, this morning. I was just wondering if, if Marcus would end up being in contention for that. I would guess he probably wouldn't be based off of the, the franchise's history, but yeah, they also do have a lot of jerseys retired. So well, well, the thing is, the, the thing is, um, by the way, speaking of the Celtics, Chris Porzingis ruled out of the World Cup for Latvia mm. uh, four to six weeks with a uh, um, plantar fasciitis. But they say they think he'll be back by uh, start of training camp. So I don't know. We'll yes. see about that. But the thing about retired numbers is when you look across the league, there's the complete absence of a standard. There oh, yeah. are some teams that have retired numbers for guys who drove through town. Like I'm only loosely exaggerating. And there are others where the standard is really, really super high. And, yeah. or there's, you know, bad blood. Like for example, the Timberwolves haven't retired 21 for Garnett. That's insane. Uh, well, I'm sure nobody I, is, I, is wearing 21, but yeah, Garnett uh, won't let them. I think is the answer there. Well, I think I was it's say, it's about the bad wolves. blood. Yeah. yeah it's bad blood. Um, there's bad blood. I mean, I mean, if you retired, you know, Garnett's number, I mean, Ray Allen probably has a, has a, uh, case for his number to be retired in Boston, but there's yeah. bad blood. Well, he is, he is, uh, sort of begun a soft campaign to turn things around. He was at the Paul Pierce, uh, ceremony and talked a little bit about it. And I wouldn't be surprised if someday that happened. Well, Carmelo yes, Anthony's I, number will be retired in Denver. It just won't be because of him. Oh, he got that right. Well, Carmelo in New number York 50. is another interesting one. I would guess he won't, uh, but it'll be an Chris interesting Tapp's one. Porzingis's number is retired in New York. Because <laughs> he wore number six, right? <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, and he did. Dallas, uh, for that matter. Wow, what a, what an impact. What an impact. It's like uh, I used by to the way, say Rick Carlisle's numbers retired in Boston. It just happens to be Paul Pierce's. Uh, by the way, in case, you, I mean, I don't know if this is super well-known, but LeBron switched his number back to 23 this year mm-hmm. um, because uh, he decided to vacate six um, in honor of Bill Russell. He had the option of um, wearing it out to the end of his career. Mm-hmm. So LeBron is like really yo-yoed between the six and 23. It's, it's been a, it's been a been lot an of inter- been an interesting thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and by the way, like, uh, I respect that he gave up six for for uh, Russell. You know, there was one time where LeBron yeah. uh, campaigned for Jordan's 23 to be retired across the league. Um, he was a big believer. I don't know if he's a believer in it now, but he there was a time where he felt, you know, um, part of it was, I think, you know, he was in Miami and uh, yeah. the Heat have retired number 23. They also retired number 13 for Dan Marino. Now, <clears throat> yeah, the cross sport retired. I mean, hey, Tony Romo went through layup lines with the Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, the standard for retired numbers is so ridiculous that you can't wear number 13 in Miami because of Dan Marino. Yeah, I, so, I think they're going to end up, I think they're going to end up actually retiring it for Bam one day, but. Oh, Bam is 13. So it's only ceremonially retired. I believe right. so. I wonder I what uh, LeBron's going to wear in Dallas when Kyrie recruits him to play for the Mavericks and makes the Lakers trade him there. Well, he's not wearing number six. That was Chris Epps Porzingis. He took it out. <laughs> no, no, no more. <laughs> um. more Hoop Collective podcast after this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. 
another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic in tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. Well, anyway, um, so I'm in Abu Dhabi, uh, UAE, with um, Team USA, who on Friday night will play an exhibition game against Greece. Unfortunately, Giannis won't be playing because uh, recovering from knee surgery. Um, spent, um, you know, quite a bit of time with the uh, Team USA this week. Um, they've been practicing at um, NYU. Well, I shouldn't even say where they're practicing. Well, it's not that big of a secret. They're practicing at NYU. Uh, NYU has a campus in Abu Dhabi and I can't say that the entire campus is nicer than the original one, but I can tell you that the basketball facility is nicer Mm -hmm. than the one at NYU. It is a spectacular facility. Um, but, um, they are, uh, having a very, this team has great camaraderie. So one of the things that's going on, um, we've talked about this, I think before, uh, Steve Kerr and Grant Hill decided no tryouts, mm-hmm. no cuts. Um, the, and they picked the team in early July. Uh, they assembled most of it in May and June. They haven't budged from that. And not only is that something that hasn't happened very often with Team USA, it kind of did in 2021 for the Olympics, but that was COVID related. And there was a number of players who f- sort of fell off because they either got COVID or I don't even know what they said about Kevin Love. Um, Kevin Love essentially got cut. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, Jerry Colangelo made that kind of clear. So they may not have officially called it that, but that's what it was. Um, and so that was a surprise because even the top teams in the world that have a number of NBA players on them, there's NBA players who are going to be getting cut off their national teams, you know, one or two. Uh, and they're, you know, the top teams are having cuts. And so I was kind of surprised by that, especially because you didn't know how the team that had no experience playing together, nobody on this roster has played at high level FIBA before. Some of them will play junior level FIBA. Mm -hmm. But when I talk to the people here, one of the things that they're saying is it's had a very good side effect, which is that there's been a real good understanding of what the roles are going to be since everybody was told like this is what we need you to do this is what we want you to do um that they've sort it's fallen into place because they're not competing with each other for slots they're competing with each other for um uh you know you know trying to be the starting you know for like i was talking to brandon ingram today and when Steve Kerr and Grant Hill and Sean Ford, who's the general manager of the team, like came to him, they said, we want you to play the Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant role, which is that stretch four guy who creates matchup problems because of your size. And his game is similar to those two guys' games. Now, Brandon Ingram, when he plays with the Pelicans, handles the ball a lot. The ball is in his hands a lot. He is, uh, he gets assists. He's a trigger man. Uh, they, you know, I wouldn't say go so far as say he plays point forward, but he's, um, you know, he's used to having the ball and creating. Well, that's not the role that he plays here, but they told him the role that they envisioned from him. I don't know, like months ago. And so when he started getting ready for this, he was watching footage of how Carmelo Anthony and, um, and, and Kevin Durant played. And so when he came in, he knew kind of the way he was going to play. Obviously there's still a lot of some adjustments, but like, that's the way Steve Kerr uh, has elected to go with this. And, you know, he basically declared like, look, Jalen Brunson's going to be our, our guy. He's going to be like sort of our captain and he's going to be our starting point guard. He kind of declared that before even training camp. So, okay. Tyrese Halliburton knows he's coming in and probably going to be the backup. And look, I, in 15 days, maybe we're going to be like, oh, I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing. Tomorrow, this is their fourth exhibition game that they're having against Greece, okay? And Steve Kerr is going to start the same starting lineup in all four games. That's unheard of for a Team USA uh, to have to be settled like that. So um, I will say that, and, and just being around them, there's great camaraderie 
within within these guys. So, um, you know, look, they're in a they're in a tough spot. They are expected to win because uh, that's what the Team USA situation is. If they lose, is when they get attention. If they win, it's sort of like, oh, okay, of course they won. But this team is looking pretty good so far. And I I've heard people say, like, well, this team's not that good. You know, it doesn't have superstars on it. I don't know, man. Like, yes, it's not the dream team. Okay. Uh, it's not the redeem team. I understand that it's a pretty good roster. They got a lot going for them. They do a lot of things really well. And I think they're going to be successful. I mean, it's the most talented roster by far. That's obvious. Um, if you line up the NBA salaries, <laughs> like uh, my guess would be Canada's probably the only other team that would get into the nine figures of, as far as annual salary goes. Not to do that, some math on Australia, but uh, okay, maybe France, but France too. Would France? I would have. To uh, I mean, they've Fournier. got. I mean, they've got Rudy and Fournier to start with, so I, I would think they're going to be pretty close to that. Maybe my point is, like, Nick Batum, by the way, um, announced uh, that he will he will play his last year of his career this year with the Clippers and then retire after the Olympics. Really? Wow, FYI. that's interesting. I did not see. Congrats that. to Nico. By the way, this is a random this is a random aside, but since you're bringing up old players, um, I was watching uh, the Bahamas play Argentina last mm-hmm. night in a FIBA Olympic qualifier. Shout out to Chris DeMarco, Warrior assistant coach, winning winning in Argentina last night as DeAndre Ayton, Buddy Heald and Eric Gordon, who switched yeah. to play for the Bahamas on that team. But the reason I bring it up is because we're talking about old players. Carlos Delfino is playing for the Argentinian team in this oh. in this pre-qualifying tournament. Carlos Delfino was on the gold medal winning team 20 years ago and wow. has to be 43. I didn't even look it up last night. I'm going to look it up now. I saw him out there. I was like, what, what is this guy doing on the court? Pablo Prigioni is coaching the team, and Delfino is starting. That's I was like, this is wild. He hasn't played in the NBA, I think, in nine years. By the way, I think it's pretty incredible and impressive that healed Gordon and Aiton would go play for the Bahamas, which I don't think, I don't healed know if Aiton has played for them. Before. I, 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 yeah, don't I don't know that Aiton has healed. Aiton, Aiton has. has not. This has been a long, okay. a long yeah. odyssey to get uh, DeAndre playing. And, and, so and this Eric is just not, switched over two weeks ago, I think. By the way, this is not part of the World Cup. The Bahamas didn't qualify for the World Cup. By the way, neither did Argentina. Um, Jackson says that Delfino was 40. Delfino is 40. He last played in yeah. the, in the, uh, NBA in 2013 for the Rockets. Wow. <laughs> when he was 30. Anyway, this, this tournament that they're playing in, in Argentina, by the way, it'd be one thing if this tournament was in, you know, Sacramento, <laughs> it's in right. Argentina. This is the tournament to qualify for the tournament next year to try to get into the Olympics. Yeah, this is a qualifying tournament for the qualifying tournament. That's right. And they got Aiden Gordon and Buddy Heald to go to Argentina for it. That is, uh, hey, keep guys an eye on the Bahamas. Be, guys want to be part of the Paris Olympics. I do think, I didn't know that about Batum. I think that's pretty awesome, though, that he's basically said, hey, it's been a hell of a run. I want to finish strong. And where else, like, what better way for him to finish than the Paris Olympics? That's right. pretty cool. And he is playing on the team this summer as well. Uh, but um, so yeah, anyways, him, Gobert of, and, uh, him, Gobert and uh, Fournier are like, they are all in on, on France. Listen, man, Fournier has inflicted some pain on the Americans uh, several times. Fournier is one hell of a FIBA player. Like say what you want about the direction his NBA career has gone over the last couple of years. Like in FIBA, he is a beast. Well, and um, those guys have really, those guys have really brought the program, you know, into a totally new era too like i mean they've they've really been the golden generation those three guys and nando decolo together like they've turned well the France silver generation because silver generation i guess you'd say they won the silver yeah. at the european championships and the olympics so but still pretty yes. good silver is pretty yes. good um anyway a couple of things from team usa as i talked to some people around the team um the player that i had several people say has really impressed them and been like much better than they were expecting is Ben Austin Reeves. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to well, say that. Well, what do you want me to say? When, I, when I, I didn't make it up. It's only what I said from Vegas, just stealing my line, stealing it. 
Yeah, but he talked to people who know what they're looking at. <laughs> well, well played. He, two weeks have passed since then, and they're still saying Austin Reeves. Um, uh, Mikhail Bridges. Him and Tyrese coming off the bench is going to be, I think, pretty devastating in that tournament. I mean, that's the thing that stood out to me. Those guys come in, they push the pace, they're flying up and down. They both share the ball really well. They both can shoot it. They're a lot of fun to watch together. Hey, and we have talked about like Austin Reeves is the Lakers' third best player. Like, if you talk about trios in the league, they got to come up in that conversation. No question. Um, yeah, he's also really into golf. So, like, oh, good lord, huge, huge Brian's new favorite player. Break. He's on the Lakers. He's in the golf. Sign him up. Oh, yeah, exactly. Going up. Going up. Wendy, Wendy's going to be wearing what? What's his shoe company? Wendy's going to be wearing some of those. It's, just, I think it's just a, had a new. He just Chinese had a, a shoe come out, right? Didn't yeah, he just have a signature Chinese, shoe? Yeah. It's one of the Chinese brands. I, I don't think it's Anta. That's who Kyrie's with and Clay Thompson. But I might be wrong. Anyways, Wendy's going to be. He'll bust out a new pair of those. Rig Rigorer. R I G O R E R. And I had not heard of them, but now the AR one. Do they uh, make golf shoes? That's the that's the next question. Jackson, that's, look yeah, it up. We, yeah, when you'll have them on the course. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, if they make them, you're gonna have them by by the time hey, you get old from Abu Dhabi. They'll from, all be uh, wearing with the country club at Omaha. <laughs> uh, I do have my golf shoes with me. I did not bring my clubs. I rented clubs. I might have played today in Abu Dhabi. Look, if you oh. tee off before seven a.m. Well, if you rented clubs and didn't play, that would be a strange move. So I don't do anything it's, before 7 a.m. Well, I I left the hotel at like around 5.45. To oh, tee off we're at back to the windy sleep updates, but now it's, now it's uh, <laughs> voluntary. <laughs> it's voluntary sleep. Dusting the cobwebs out at the rain. <laughs> get some swings in. Listen, man, you know, when you're, when you're, Get an opportunity to play golf in Abu Dhabi. You got to take advantage of it. You got to do um, it. Uh, Mikael Bridges um, obviously had a sort of breakout season. He's playing a really important role. You know, this team, they're electing to play small. Uh, they're playing Paolo Bencaro at sort of backup center quite a bit. Yeah. Um, they are kind of, they're not bulky. You know, they've got some sort of thin guys between Brandon Ingram and Tyrese Halliburton and Mikhail Bridges and, you know, Cam Johnson isn't exactly bulky. Um, you know, the, long and quick, Spain, you know, Spain the other day out rebounded them pretty significantly. Um, they are going to get pushed around a little bit that way, but um, they're they want to be very switchable, very rangy on defense, and then get the ball up the court. That's her style. And Bridges is exactly that type of player. And, As, um, you know, one of the things, um, oh, Jackson just gave uh, me an update. No golf when shoes. Oh. Uh, when, he, when he's heartbroken. Hey, has Ingram bulked up, though? Just watching on TV, he looks like his arms look bigger. Hmm, have, I don't know. I, I will ask him bigger when question. I saw him in Vegas. You, you thought right, he did? I'll ask him that question. I did not think he looked Okay. Well, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe, maybe he I, has. Cade Cunningham was the one guy who stood out looking bigger from a physical strength yeah. standpoint in Vegas. Everybody else. Muscle watch. Muscle, Muscle watch 2023. Yes. yes. Um, That's always good. By so the way. Gained uh, 12 pounds of pure yes. muscle. So um, Chip England, who is the shoot, shoot, the shooting doctor coach for years in San Antonio is now with the Thunder. Oh, that's why it's a rivalry. <laughs> right. He's um he's been working with Paolo Bancaro on uh on this shiny shot, trying to help him out with that. Uh nothing like a you know, Thunder helping out a you know, team from the Eastern Conference, no problem. I may need him to hit a shot or two here in the uh in the next uh, two weeks. Um so yeah, so so it's you know, everybody's sort of feeling good. Um they need to get shipping uh, with Canada so we can keep working with Lou Dort or well, Australia. Well, the guy that's been interesting is uh, in watching Canada a little bit. We're seeing Che Gillis Alexander shooting some step back threes that look pretty good. And yeah, it's the FIBA line. It's a little closer. But if Shea adds that to the arsenal, it's going to be pretty nasty. Shea has looked awesome 
in the warm-up games. Big and news no Jamal Murray, by the way. We haven't talked yeah. about that yeah, on the pod. That wasn't that much of a stunner. Jamal Murray went to training camp with the um, Team Canada, spent a week in Toronto with them. But then when they went overseas, they've been in Europe for the last 10, 15, 10, 12 days. Um, he didn't go with them. And so he made an announcement uh, on, what was it, Wednesday? that uh, he's not yeah. going to play. So the fact that he didn't travel with them overseas, I mean, it didn't 100% rule him out, mm-hmm. but it was pretty unlikely. Well, um, was your read that he went to camp just to try to kind of try to kind of get some rapport, some chemistry with those guys and hope to play in the Olympics? I, next you know, year? I wasn't there. I don't know. You know, he I, the, he, I think the word had been he like they were pretty optimistic. I think he was going to play. So I don't know if there was a setback or if he just thought, uh, hey, I, I don't want to push it or what, that. but. I can speak to that because he said in his, his release that he was mm-hmm. still focusing on his recovery. And it kind of was like, oh, did he get hurt? He's not injured. You right. know, there's no problem. Um, it's just, you know, coming off a long I just season. Think, I, I, I think the situation is the same for Jokic. I think Jokic is looking at the same thing. They're coming off a long season and they're looking ahead and they're thinking yeah. well, we might have, a, we're hoping to have a long season next year. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping to then go play in the Olympics. Well, and, so, and and in Murray's case, a year and a half off, and I don't know if this made any in you know had any influence, but like when you watch your teammate Vlako Chanchar go down with a torn ACL playing for his national team, yeah, I mean, probably didn't help uh, motivate him to want to play in the World Cup this year. Well, and the other interesting thing is too the reason this tournament is this year is because FIBA wanted to have it like opposite the other world cup. And they're mm-hmm. trying to like make this the more preferred tournament to tournament to the Olympics. And all we've seen over and over again is that the players, yeah. the guys who are playing in the games, not just here, but other places, they value the Olympics. Of course. And that's the one they care about. And if this tournament was when it should be, which is last year, like it always used to be. And it was every two years with the Olympics more of these guys would probably play. But instead, because it is, like you said, you're playing this tournament, then you go right into the season, then you're playing the Olympics next year, which are early, by the way. They're going to be starting in July. So it's a, it's just a huge ass to do both of them. And so we've seen a bunch of guys opt out of doing this one, and it's hurting the overall product of the tournament. FIBA wins again. They also, they also have been taking it more around the world. They've been playing it in Asia. <clears throat> and um, in the next World Cup in four years is going to be in Qatar because hmm. why not? And yeah. you know, basketball power. Qatar. <laughs> uh, you know, Qatar should be lovely in August, as I can tell you from Abu Dhabi. It's uh, glorious here. Qatar is like just across the Persian Gulf. So you have to wake um, up early to golf there too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe by then Austin Reeves will have golf shoes. Uh, I can uh, get yeah, some. Yeah, dude, you got to get um, on that. Like, get, tell them, like, dude, what are you doing here, Jackson? Do they make uh, golf balls? That, that's the next question I have. Uh, I think I, I think I know the answer to that. Um, before we move on, I just got to tell you, there was a fascinating thing that happened when the Americans played Spain, that has been already become legend within Team USA. Um. So they played in Spain. They played Spain in Malaga on Sunday night, uh, and it was really a high-level contest game. Um, the, uh, the the Spanish pulled ahead in the second half, and the Americans had to really fight back. Um, but it was not maybe the best officiated game. Okay, and we we mentioned that um, when we talked on the pod last time. So what I didn't see because it wasn't on TV. I wasn't with the team yet. Um, but at halftime, they honored. I told you this. Was it on TV and I missed it? Yes. McMahon was all, McMahon was all over this. This might be the reason I ended up taking a damn name. Now, now I remember, (laughs) now I remember (laughs) that you mentioned it, but to a man, uh, everybody's mentioned this moment. Team USA like was just in couldn't believe what they were seeing. And like this referee, like it's, it's becoming, the story is getting longer and longer. The, um, the guy who is the head of the Spanish basketball federation is Jorge Garbajosa, former Raptor, former NBA rookie of the year. 
I might point out, I really? believe, Rogier Garbajosa. Isn't wasn't he? Well, is that is that incorrect? You. Go on with your chit chat. Okay, you in two seconds just and to make sure. Garbajosa embraced. Nearly his, certain okay, you were wrong. He was all rookie. He played, yeah, played, oh, all rookie. He was played all one season in the NBA. In the NBA. <laughs> he played he one played, season. He played yes. se- one season and then seven no, games the next season. Yes, he did. Yes, he played Looking one season right with now. Toronto when he was twenty nine. Yeah, he was he was all rookie though. Not rookie Jackson, either. cut that out of the. Forget your no, vacation. Don't cut, cut that, that out. out. Don't make do me, not cut don't make that me out. sound stupid. Absolutely, do not cut out that Absolutely that Brian just not. loudly announced that the garbage man Jorge, Jorge Garbajosa was uh, was rookie of the year. Well, I think he was like twenty eight, and you know he was that part. You were for... close to write about. He was twenty nine. All right. Anyway, anyway every person who's told me this story talks about the length of the hug that Jorge Garbosa gave this referee <laughs> and the referee is like wiping tears. Oh, yeah. And like some people like it was, a, it was a 10 second hug. Then people like it was a 15 second hug. Uh-huh. You know, I don't even know if the players even saw it. I thought they were in the locker room, but they're going, Oh yeah. He hugged him for uh, two minutes. You know, it's like the hug keeps getting longer right. and longer. This is, this is what people tune into the hoop collective for Jorge Garbajosa hug times. That's what <laughs> no, well, but the FIBA ref situation is definitely a thing. No question. It, like there's all kinds of like conspiracy theories slash corruption, all this kind of stuff, homerism. Um, and like when I was over there at Eurobasket in uh in Cologne, there were like fans standing outside the arena, like with signs and stuff, protesting how crappy the refereeing was. And part of the deal is FIBA is at war with Euroleague. And so the refs who are in Euroleague, which are like the best refs in Europe, can't ref FIBA games. So it's yep. like it's like you know this is the most important tournament, uh, Eurobasket, most important tournament in Europe, and it's like if if you had G League refs on the NBA Finals. Listen, man, like FIBA, all about the basketball, happens, all about the basketball, I, FIBA. I wouldn't say this happens regularly, but I've heard about just in recent years, this is not like something from the eighties referees walking off the court mid game because the fans are like, um, Oh yeah. uh, You know, throwing things at them and whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway, so, uh, it was a good experience for team USA to be into that, uh, situation, by the way, there was a, a, a play in the Spain game where, um, Mikhail Bridges was called for two fouls on the same play. He a guy was driving to the basket and he fouled him first whistle. And then the guy was going for the continuation and Bridges like brought his hand down on his arm to keep, prevent the continuation. Yeah. And another referee came in and called the unsportsmanlike on that. Oh, wow. And you only get five fouls. Okay. And they called two fouls. Within one second of each other. He used up 40% and, of them in a second. <laughs> well, you're only technically allowed. This is the thing. You're allowed four fouls. The fifth, you're done. So he, he used 50% of his allowed fouls. But um, that's uh, what, anyway. What kind of math is that? That's insane. Say, you that can was only play with four fouls. You can't play with five. On a pod where you said so many insane things, declaring that he used 50% of his allowed fouls. When he got oh, two of his five fouls, might take the cake. What are we doing here? More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Bontemps, you got trivia? I do not, but I think somebody else does. I will step in and save the day with some trivia. I I am the whiz of the quiz. So I will step in and save the day here. Uh, Yes, Jorge Garbajosa was a first-team all-rookie selection in 2006. I get partial credit. Oh, 2006-07. He actually was tied for the last spot on the first team. So there were six guys on the first team. The NBA was like into participation ribbons and crap back then, apparently. Who are the other five first-team all-rookie selections when the great Jorge Garbajosa? So this is the 2006 draft. 2006 draft. So LaMarcus Aldridge. LaMarcus Aldridge actually was tied with Jorge, which surprised me a little bit. Yes, that's one. 
Um, I'll give. I'll, okay, was Bar no chance? Was Bar Nani? He was. He was a mm-hmm. first team all rookie. Um, trying to think of guys who were drafted that year. I got no chance on this. No chance. Trying to think, 2006 draft. So who was rookie of the year? Was it? I'm trying to think. Brandon Brandon Roy was in that draft, wasn't he? Brandon Roy was definitely in that draft. He was another. Yeah, he good. was. He was on. He he won rookie of the year. I'm nearly certain. Um. Trying to think, Brandon Roy, Bargnani. So I need two more guys, right? You need two more guys. Um, <laughs> Brandon Roy was the rookie of the year. Randy Foy wasn't first team on NBA, yes, right? Sorry, wow, Bontemps Garbahosa was robbed. Randy Foy, you got it, well, brother. Randy, Randy Foy was traded you. for was traded for. Uh, Brandon Roy, I believe. I believe they're swap picks. That's right. That's right. They were. I took 14 hours to get here on the plane. You could have given me that 14 hours and I wouldn't have gotten Randy Foy without looking it up. This is so think of I want uh, hats Randy? off to, I'm trying to, to think of for getting that. Tyrus Thomas was drafted in that draft, but he definitely wasn't going to be. No, Tyrus Thomas was traded. No, no, Tyrus Thomas was traded for LaMarcus Aldridge. Right. That was the picks were swapped. Bulls. Yeah, this last yeah, guy two, is definitely a name you know. Oh, there's um, one more guy. There's, yeah, there's yeah well, I, I named four guys, so I had to come up with the with the fifth guy. Yeah, this um, guy is, is definitely a a name that you know. We actually discussed him on the pod in in in, in a little in a controversial sense. Uh, there was some controversy about him on the last pod during trivia, might I add. Maybe, uh, yes, you tried to pull a slick one. I'm trying to remember what the question was last week. I remember nope. the, I remember the controversy, but I can't remember the question. <laughs> uh, oh man, he's driving me crazy. This is the guy. If, any, if anybody gets this without looking it up, I don't know what to say. Yeah, I feel good about guy, getting. I feel good about getting Randy Foy. I can't. Right, I'm blanking on us, this. Just tell us. Okay, or give give me one other hint besides we talked about him on the pod last week because I'm struggling. That doesn't help me right now. Um, let's see. He was traded this off season. Oh, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. Oh, Rudy Gay. I should have got that Gay, one. The one who you tried to sneak in. That's ass. right. So that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy I got Randy Foy. Those decent work. Very hey, you got you got four of the five. And then with the hand, you got the. I'll last. take it. That's a good question. Jorge Garbajosa. I've not thought not, right. not, not heard about him in a long time. He's a smart man because he knows how to butter up referees. Um <laughs> Luca needs to learn. So from- before, <laughs> you know what? You ain't lying. So we had an awkward situation last week. We recorded this whole James Harden podcast on Sunday <laughs> night. And then we woke up on Monday morning and Harden had just slayed. Someone Darryl call Murray it pressure. I don't know Listen, about pressure. It would have, we were talking about, we were like, well, maybe he'll come back or maybe you were move. talking about that. I was talking about yeah. this relationship blown to smithereens. So we're I, still, I love that. Still, it came out. Still, I look like he still might come back. We'll see. Yeah. The thing about it is, so I, like, I know that's been a huge topic for the last few days, but I just want to say like Bont Temps just said, this obviously is huge damage has been done at this point. And, and, you know, I think one of the things that was clear or not clear, but one of the things that happened here was I think the Clippers had decided that there was no trade. And so I think the Clippers were going to move on from it. Mm-hmm. And at least from talking to Philly about it. And that, I think, I think the, the, the only option that the Philly had at the time was the Clippers. And so when that, Never, it never got off the ground from what I understand. Like they, they had multiple conversations, but you know, I mean, you can see the two rosters, you can see what the trade pieces are. You can understand why they're wooden. And as long as um, Philly wasn't interested in taking some assets from the Clippers and then making an offer probably with Tyrese Maxey for 
Damian Lillard. I, I just I don't see how a Clipper trade makes a ton of sense for them anyway. So I think what ticked James off was that they announced that they were wanted to bring him back, and he was reacting to that uh, more than anything. Um, I but, think he's been ticked. Uh, we can't say disgruntled because no, Curry doesn't like that word. I think he's been right. ticked for some time now. Right. But I also think what Bontem said shouldn't be forgotten. As of right now, and circumstances can change, as of right now, James Harden's best option of a bunch of unsavory options, such as holding out uh, or coming and, you know, doing some sort of sabotage action, his best option as far as I can see, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, is to probably play for the Sixers. And the Sixers' best option is to get James Harden to play for them. Now, not the James Harden that played for the Rockets or the Nets when he wanted out, but like James Harden really trying. The I one from last year who was the one from last year who was really right. good. Yeah, and listen, ultimately my best, my in, best in analysis, like that's, that's what lottery. needs to happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I think the best retirement plan I have is to win the lottery. So all I got to do is win the lottery and I'll have a great retirement. I have no problem. So this is the, that. well, look at that. That certainly is, I think, a, a good analogy for the situation in a lot of ways right now, at least from the James Harden perspective. The problem that James Harden has is, and we talked about this a little bit the other day. If you look at this situation, and when he opted into his contract, what he did was remove a lot of different avenues that mm -hmm. this could potentially go, right? So now he's opted into this deal. You can't extend off that contract. You can't give him more money. So those options are off the board. In terms of trading him, there's not a team in the league that wants James Harden. Now... I would well, say no, no, no. Well, that's that's not that, true. That's not no, true. That's no, not true. no. Well, that would, let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. When I say that a team doesn't want James Harden, I'm not saying teams won't take James Harden. There are teams that will take James Harden and have him on their team for the right price. Okay. But to me, that's... when I and it's the same thing as the Damian Lillard situation. There's one team in the league that wants Damian Lillard. And that's the that's the Miami Heat. Clearly, they're the one team that we know of that's, that's not really true willing. Either. So, but again, so, when I say that, I'm saying is willing to pay a significant price to I trade for him. We're playing semantics here, but there's a lot of teams that would would be happy to have James Harden or Damon. But, but again, when you say again, there's, there's there's not a team that's willing to give up significant value for James Harden. But that's what that's I'm saying. Different, but fine. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Wants wants is in not I'll have them but I want to get him. So the problem James has is there's not a suitor that's going to come in and give the kind of value that Philly's going to go. Yeah. For us right now, it makes sense to trade James Hart. Like, yeah, there's teams that would be interested in having him for expiring contracts, which aren't doing Philly any good mm -hmm. or stuff they don't want, which isn't doing Philly any good, but there's nobody that's coming in saying we really want this guy. And that's why we're at this stalemate, because even if let's say Daryl Morey woke up today and said, you know, I've had this run with James Harden. I got the big painting. It's time to move on. We need to trade him. <laughs> There's nowhere to trade him. Like for a deal that's not going to get you fired or get you in a situation where it's like, how the hell did you trade this guy for? Or 10 cents infuriate Joel Embiid. Well, that's right. the problem is Morey is trying if. if it's not about salvaging the situation with James Harden. It's about That's right. preventing this situation from Embiid from blowing That's up right. your face and basically sending your franchise into a tailspin. That's right. And that's where I that's where this is a really I mean, from a game theory or negotiation standpoint, however you whatever way you want to look at it, I think it's a fascinating situation because there's really not a way to resolve it. Like James could sit here and say, Yeah, I'm really mad that I can't get out of Philly. I don't want to be here, but he can't get traded. He can't get more money. He can't get more years. So what is he going to do? Because it's, it's not like the Sixers are batting away teams offering several right. first round picks and young players and all this stuff. 
and for Maury, here, well, what do we do? Maury would rather have a big mess that maybe he can figure out a way to clean up than make a bad trade. Yeah. And so, the, you, you know, then the, the question at this point is, all right, James, are you really not going to show up for camp? And then if you do show up, like, how are you going to, sh- you know, how are you going to make this thing even messier? Um, I tell you what, though, like, what's one of the first questions asked James Harden? Hey, what did Daryl Morey lie to you about? That's going to be an interesting answer. It's going to be yep. a really interesting answer. I mean, th- James can make this thing. And I, when Ramona says James Harden just getting started, I that I believe. That I 100%. Well, and I'd also love to know why he opted in, because that is the thing that, that when you look at this whole situation, that's the moment when he did that, when so many of these potential avenues to do other things or get more money or do all that stuff went away. Then it really came down to either you get traded or you play in Philly, or I guess you sit out and just not play at all. But then as Bobby Marks has laid out, that's not a path to like getting out of Philly in a year. Yeah, listen, since yeah, because if he doesn't to... if he doesn't report to the team for 30 days after the start of the season, the Sixers can block him from becoming a free agent. This yeah. is a thing in the CBA to remove the idea that you could hold out and wait out your contract. So he, they, he literally would lose his free agency and potentially lose the money of this last season if he just said, I'm not going to show up until you trade me. Yeah. So the answer to that, if you're fighting fire with fire, is to show up and tank. Cause on the yeah. He's experienced yeah. doing that. I would say yeah. since Rob Palinka went to the Lakers and he was he rep James Hart among others, obviously. Uh Harden has opted not to have either an agent at all or you know, a, a power agent and uh, you know, a, a big name agent and he's saved a lot of money in commission over the years and i think it's it's come back to bite him with this situation well the i will again say philly was not that far away from winning the east last year now if you're a heat fan you may think that your team would have won against the sixers just as they won against the celtics i can't prove that i saw the heat go up 3-0 uh, you know, I mean, maybe they were so red hot that they would have beaten Philly. Let's just but- look at the East for a second. Let's just look at it quick, right? But Milwaukee brings everybody back, but their guys are all a year older. Giannis just had knee surgery. Let's see where they're at this year. They also fired Mike Budenholzer, hired Adrian Griffin, never been a head coach. We'll see how that goes. Boston makes this wild swing of a trade doing Marcus Smart for Chris Porzingis. probably raises their ceiling. Also, undoubtedly, lowers their floor. They've got a lot of injury-prone guys, a lot of guys with injury questions on their team. Could be great, could be a step back. You've got Miami, doesn't re-sign Gabe Vincent, doesn't re-sign Max Struess, hasn't traded for Dame. Like, they're not as good as they were last year. Like, if James Harden just shows up and is willing to play this year, you like Philadelphia should be right there with these other teams. When James Harden's telling you he's quitting, believe him. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to say he's going to show up and play. I'm. I'm just. I'm simply pointing out if if he had if he was committed to this team for this season, let's say he'd opted out and resigned for three years and a number the Kyrie number, and he was happy, right? You could look at this Philly team and say there's every reason to think this is the year they break through. They hire Nick Nurse, guy who's proven to be very good in the playoffs, making adjustments. Joel is back. Tyrese Maxey should get better. You know, they can find more ways to get more out of Tobias Harris. P.J. Tucker was very good in the playoffs last year. Like, you could you could say, hey, this team is, they got DeAnthony Melton, one of the best reserve guards in the league coming off the bench. Like, you could say they have all the pieces to finally break through. But as only could happen in Philly for the 12th straight year, the offense, the offseason is chaos. And James Harden is mad. We have no idea if he's going to show up or if he is going to try to light the place on fire if he does show up. And that there's no guarantee they're going to have any kind of success this year. You know, it's just like, it's just crazy because they weren't that far away. And now they feel life, like, you know, like oceans away with all this going on. But you know what? He's selling a whole lot of wine in China. <laughs> that was amazing. If you don't know what they're referring to, he was on a 
Chinese social media platform, or at least a video platform. I don't it's know like, how you pronounce it's like, it. It's like TikTok. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Um, but he had apparently 10,000 bottles of his wine to sell. Mm-hmm. And there was a very popular influencer who was, you know, who was in there. And there was a bunch of people there. And look, look, I don't know the uh, commerce logistics about like how long the, uh, you know, you could actually buy before it opened, but they put the wine on sale. And in 10 seconds, the Chinese audience bought 10,000 bottles of wine, by selling it out. It, it, it registered and sold out within 10 seconds. And look, I don't know how that all works, but let's just say James Harden was how many bottles of allowed? How many bottles of of allowed wine was there to be bought? How many was it? Well, he just uh, he just about windy math eight thousand. I think I was going to say yeah eight thousand. You're allowed to buy eight thousand. There are ten thousand. You're allowed to buy ten thousand. You weren't allowed to buy ten thousand. Actually, you're allowed to buy nine thousand. Anyway. it's worth finding the video if you can, because when James sees that he sells out in 10 seconds, his yeah, he like pops his eyes. He's hey, he the man sold it. some Adidas over there this week too. I can assure you of that. And also he might average 50 points per game next season for the Shanghai <laughs> Sharks. You can go play for Yao. Just saying yeah, well, two rockets, two rockets legends together he's, in China. He's 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 over there talking about hey, I might have to finish my career in China, and that might be that might be the path this thing's heading. As, as Delonte West once told me when he, I asked Delonte, I saw him in Dallas when he came back from playing a year in China. I said, Hey man, how you like it? How'd you like it over there? He goes, Man, the money's good and all the shots you can take. <laughs> that sounds That's like true. a James Harden dream scenario. <laughs> I don't think the money is as good as the 35 million he can make by uh, playing for the Sixers. Uh, all right. Well, we'll see how that develops. Um, uh, right now, I do think that Harden is still in the anger stage of uh, the situation. And so um, we'll see if any more salvos come. I'm in agreement with Ramona on that, but uh, it's a long way between now. And 40, 45, 45 days to media day, 45 glorious days. Um, all right. Thank you for listening to the collective podcast. Thank you to our producers, Jackson and Bruce. Thank you to Bottoms. Thank you to McMahon. We will talk to you next week. Adios amigos.